being grotesque, but you've got to be. You see what I mean? You've got to be crazy. It's too late to be sane. Too late. You've got to go full tilt, Bozo. Because you're only given a little spark of madness. And if you lose that, you're nothing. Is It Really? The podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. And we're here to tell you, it's not your fault. I'm Brandon Sharp. I'm Zach Smith-Michaels. And I'm Mitch Dupree. And tonight we're watching Goodwill Hunting and asking, Robin Williams, comic legend or dramatic actor? Mitch, why don't you give us the plot of Goodwill Hunting? Hunting is the most wicked smart janitor you'll ever meet. After punching out a cop, his last chance is psychology professor and widower Sean McGuire, who might be the only man who can reach him. The two hash things out therapy style, leading Will to stop holding himself back and Sean to take a sabbatical to start living his life again. So we are going to be discussing Robin Williams through a series of scenes from Goodwill Hunting, largely considered one, if not the best performance of his career. Also happens to be the one he won his Oscar for. But first, let's take a few minutes to discuss some of his other roles, of which there are many. Who is Robin Williams to you, and what roles do you think of? Well, being a child of the 90s, the first person I think of is the genie. And I think with the genie, you get the full package. You get that kind of classic Robin Williams standups where he's like talking a mile a minute. He's doing all the crazy impressions, but also you get a lot of those heartfelt moments, too. It's kind of even though you don't see Robin Williams, I think it's the full package. Now, that's it's funny you say that, because when you close your eyes and think of Robin Williams, it's I don't see someone. I hear his voice. Right. right. I hear his impressions mm-hmm. in the genie song. So. Well, I also see how hairy he is, so. Right. Did you just say how hairy he is? Like, he's as a very person? Hairy. Like, he's a physically hairy human being? Yeah, I think about, like, just that hair <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> All right, maybe no. in Jumanji in that one scene, but whatever. Maybe. Well, even in Goodwill Hunting, he's got quite the hair. I was also thinking, <laughs> there's a story that I heard saying that the people who wrote Aladdin didn't feel like they could submit the screenplay for best original screenplay because Williams had improvised so much. You got to know that's what you're getting, though. Yeah. When you sign Robin Williams on to be in your movie, you're going to be getting some improvised lines. You just turn on the mic and let him work his magic, essentially. Absolutely. Right. And that is exactly what it is, magic. Okay. When I close my eyes and think of Robin Williams, it's him doing an impression of a hot dog in the movie Mrs. Doubtfire. That is him with the peak for me. Uh, you, you can move on from me. That's that's all I got for this episode. Honestly, <laughs> I do love Mrs. Doubtfire, though. Me too. Oh, it's so good. Jump around that classic 90s soundtrack when they're having the cool party at the beginning. Cake face. Yeah, it's magic. It's so good. Yeah, again, that's one that's also the full package from Williams. You have those moments when he's with his kids, like when um, the mom comes to get them like too early after she dropped them off too late or something. And he's like, sit down, you're my kids, too. And like, you just see that he's really torn up about it. And then the next scene, he's hilarious. It's almost Shakespearean in a weird way. 
Like just the dynamic. It's hilarious in this scene and then it's really sad in the next. Not going to be the last time we use the word Shakespearean tonight, probably. Yeah, it's funny because in like Good Will Hunting, the movie we're going to talk about a little bit more tonight, it's like he's very much doing a drama. Like it's a very serious performance. But even in his comedies, he does bring some pretty heavy material sometimes. I mean, Mrs. Doubtfire is like straight up divorce movie. It right. is so mm-hmm. heavy on divorce and it feels light. I think it's, a, it's actually a really cool movie because it introduced the idea of, of divorce into mainstream culture and ha- how it's something that was OK and something that right. you can live through and you can have a happy family, even if you're a child of divorce. I agree. I agree with you. I think, I mean, it's just a tribute to his range as an actor. And at any moment, he can hit any note that you need him to hit. Yes. Well, for me, Robin Williams is John Keating from Dead Poet Society. Mm. And the movie came out in 1989, and that was, you know, before I even started school. But uh, when I watched it for the first time, I was right at that formative high school age, I think, and just primed to be inspired. Mr. Keating reminds me actually a lot of an English teacher I had in high school, someone who could just level a room with a few choice words. Right. Mm. And I think as I got older, the message of the movie became a little problematic for me. What's your beef with Carpe Diem? No, I think what really sticks with me is Robin Williams and Make Your Lives Extraordinary. Mm. When I watch that movie, that's that's what sticks with me. But in the movie, the kid follows his heart. And when he feels like there is no way out. Right. He ends up he ends up taking his life. And, you know, that's not what Mr. Keating meant. He did not mean do this. And if you can't kill yourself, that's that's absolutely not what he was trying to tell these boys, you know, he was trying to inspire them to grasp every moment and do extraordinary things with your lives. Your lives are so short. Is dead poet society, the 13 reasons why of the eighties well-intentioned, well-made, maybe dangerous messages that children won't understand or will not be able to place in the proper context. I don't know. My wife used to fart when she was nervous. She had all sorts of wonderful little idiosyncrasies. You know, she used to fart in her sleep. I'm sorry I shared that with you. One night it was so loud it woke the dog up. She woke up and got like, oh, was that you? See, I didn't have the heart to tell her. Oh, God. She woke herself up. Yes. Oh, Christ. Ah, but Will, she's been dead two years, and that's what I remember. Robin has some of the best comedic chops of all time. Let's start by singling out this scene where he improvised most of his lines. How did his additions change the scene? Okay, so from what I remember, in the original script, Sean was supposed to like talk about how his wife would turn off the alarm clock at nighttime, but instead yes. Williams just like starts talking about his wife farting in her sleep and how it wakes the dog up, and then Damon is not expecting that at all. So that wheezing that he does is all real, right? That's that's all him. So right. he totally changes the scene because it originally none of that was in it. So he, he kind of just made this up. Right. And that's also a color that we haven't seen from that character in the movie yet. So Mm. it's kind of I think what we were all waiting for 
from Robin Williams and we weren't getting that. And we also didn't think that we were going to get that. Not in a way mm. where we're like, Oh, he's not funny. But I think you just like, okay, he's going to be straightforward. But I think that scene kind of gives the audience a type of comic relief that we've not experienced in the film yet. That's what really sticks out to me about that scene is it is funny. Just it's a, a different kind of humor than I typically see from Williams. Right. It, right. it seems more genuine and grounded in reality in a way, because a lot of his humor, I guess, for me is normally like him putting on a mask in a way or him like channeling right. a character. Like, I think there's this like interview he did a long time ago where he talks about his characters as like chess pieces. Almost he would like throw out or onto a board or like they're almost like soldiers in a war. Like he just deploys characters, which is an interesting way of uh, thinking about comedy. But in this role specifically, he he just it feels like is being I don't know, like there's no mask. And I think if you follow along with the script, if you've ever seen like an original copy, I think what we should have gotten if it was followed to the letter would have been a very serious scene. There wasn't humor written into that scene originally. It was a very serious story about his wife and she would shut the alarm off, you know, and it would talk about how he was late to work all the time. And it then kind of led into that next part where he said she's been dead two years and this, you know, these are the things I remember, but not, not funny. So I think by him improvising his lines, you really get a memorable scene then. Yeah. Mm. We all remember that scene now because he took it and made it his own. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but one of the early choices to direct the film was Mel Gibson and Mel Gibson was supposed to play Sean McGuire. And if Gibson directed the movie and played Sean McGuire, you, that scene doesn't happen. Strong Christian overtones. No, yeah, it would have been much more, I think, dour. Yeah, I agree. Right. I don't think I knew about that. Yeah, and it was just taking too long. And Matt Damon finally said, hey, we'd like to make the movie while we're young. So either make the movie or let us give it to someone else. Hmm. Well, not to overstate the obvious, but this movie doesn't happen without Robin Williams. Right. I feel like. And it doesn't happen without the the buoyancy that he does give it, even though he is really like, serious. It. It still kind of bobs along when he's in it in a way that it doesn't really do when there's like Lam- Lambo or any of the other adult characters. The only other humor we're getting is from his buddies, his Boston buddies. So mm-hmm. I'd say another thing that I like about adding the humor to the scene is humor. I feel like Williams understands has a way of deepening bonds. Yes. Right. Yeah. Just that moment uh, of like you can even see like there's this awesome way that if you look closely, Matt Damon's like nose, like it literally is like what do you call that when your nose is like exhaling a lot, like um, his his uh, flared his nostrils. Yeah, that's what you'd say. He's flaring his nostrils because because it's a genuine laughter. Like you can tell. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what at that point in the movie they were looking for. I think Sean is looking for some type of breakthrough with Will and maybe who knows what it was like filming as Robin Williams with Matt Damon. If he was also needing some type of way to loosen him up a little bit, make him more comfortable. I really think this this scene just works on so many levels. Apparently the crew was like having a hard time keeping it together. They were just like bursting at the seams and then (laughs) finally they had to stop because everyone just broke. If you look carefully, you can see the camera shake right. a little bit yeah and you can see it like do a weird front angle because damon and and williams are also laughing so hard right so just to get their <laughs> face they had to like lean in a little bit 
Uh, can you imagine what it would have been like to miss that moment somehow as a cameraman or, you know, like that would have been a travesty. Yeah, you're done. Maybe you married the wrong woman. Maybe you should watch your mouth. Watch it right there, chief, all right? That's it, isn't it? You married the wrong woman. What happened? What'd she leave you? Was she, you know? If you ever disrespect my wife again, I will end you. Got that, Chief? So on and off the set, Robin Williams greatly affected by pain. Mm. What about his performance in this scene really sells it to the audience? For me, it's it's the warning shot that he sends Matt Damon, like when Matt Damon makes that crack about his wife and he just goes like, hold it right there. He's trying to be very nice with him. He's kind of playing along with him. But the minute Matt Damon says that he sends that warning shot, that's just like, stop it right there. And then the next comment, totally in control, not like losing it. He doesn't start screaming or freaking out. He just grabs Damon by the throat and lets them know, I'm not going to let you do this. Yeah. Right. Well, the scene is a dance a little bit. There's several moments. There's several warning shots, right? There's several moments where Williams is, I think, showing Damon, I'm not faced by what you're saying, or I can keep up with what you're saying. Yeah. What do you bench? Yeah. What do you bench? Exactly. Like, it's a pushback, right? Like, he's not giving up the power uh, necessarily. For me, it's the it's the little extra details in that scene, like him taking off his glasses. Yep. (laughs) And I think Will is too busy hacking away at Sean to realize what's about to happen. Right. He's found a little bit of a foothold, a weakness, if you will. Right. And if you notice, he's been to two other shrinks before Sean, and he just tore through them. Yeah. You know, they both had books he had access to. Mm -hmm. They were, I think they were more probably acclaimed, more well-known, so he had easy access to their materials. Sean, if you, you know, continue throughout the movie, you find out that he's not in that elite circle of psychiatrists. He is now teaching at a community college. He's given up the prestige and focused on teaching. And that was, you know, all of this in the aftermath of his of losing his wife. So I think right off the bat, Sean's trickier for Will. Right. Will may be tricky for Sean, but Sean is definitely tricky for Will. He goes in and he's looking around the room. It's the first thing he does. He sits down and he starts looking around the room for clues and Mm. footholds, if you will, to different things that he might be able to utilize. I want to use my language a little bit carefully here because one of the things I don't love about the previous psychiatrist scenes is like they kind of use being gay as a punchline like twice. In the movie, and right. I'm not a big fan of that, but it does present them as like these kind of like a feet dandies almost where like <laughs> Sean is like one of the things I love about just the casting is like he's stocky. Zach, you said it. He's hairy. He he benches. Uh, so I think there's a respect that is going to come just because like it's a huge difference from these other psychiatrists and intellectuals that are kind of in Damon's circle at the other times. Like the other all the other guys are like academic and they're like theoretical where Sean's just like a real dude. 
Like right. Sean yeah. like lives in a trailer and you know he he knows the way the world is. And it's that difference between intelligence and wisdom that the movie kind of talks about over and over again. There's there's knowing something in a book and there's living through it. Uh, and I'm just talking on and on, but I am going to say too that like I think that scene where he chokes him, it shows Will that Sean is dealing with anger too. Mm-hmm. Maybe right that he, he they're bonded in that way. They both are struggling and they both have been through a lot. So uh, I think their relationship is is deepened in that way, too. Right. I think another thing is this scene is kind of business as usual for Will. Like we see the scene in the bar earlier when the one guy is making fun of his friend and then, you know, Will steps in. He tries to outsmart the guy and then the guy says something cheeky back to him and it ends with the threat of violence from Will. And the scene with with Robin Williams with Sean McGuire is almost going the same way where like, you know, he goes in, he tries to one up Sean. It doesn't work. He tries to one up him about the lifting weight. It doesn't work. And then he finally finds something where he can where he, he thinks he could beat him like, oh, I can make fun of this guy's wife. That's my foothold. And you can tell Sean has some of the same chips on his shoulder as Will. Yes. When Gerald Lambeau, the mathematician, tracks down Sean for the first time, he's trying to explain why Sean would be a perfect fit. And Mm. he's saying, well, you guys have the same background. And you can see, like, the defensiveness kind of wash over Sean at that moment. He's mm-hmm. like, well, what, what background? Yeah, what right. does that mean? It, what, is it, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, he goes, he's like, well, you guys are from the same neighborhood. And he's like, oh, he's he's from South Boston. Right. Because just to jump on that, the movie does an amazing job of showing the huge difference between the MIT crowd and the South Boston crowd. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. They're different worlds. When they go into that Harvard bar, they stick out like sore thumbs. I mean, you can just tell by their clothes. Everyone else looks like they walked, you know, right off a uh, Ralph Lauren um, (laughs) ad. And just to kind of speak with, uh, you know, the argument that happens with uh, Chucky and the guy with the ponytail. As soon as that guy walks in and starts talking to Chucky, you can see it on Will's face. He knows what's happening. He's making fun of his friend. And Chucky does not realize it. He's, you know, he's uh, having a good time. He may think he's fooling him. I don't know. But he doesn't realize what's happening. The guy's trying to embarrass him. Right. And the minute he does realize, Will steps in. Exactly. Right. And I love the look on his friend's faces when he just starts going up and down with that guy. Just just kind of that like sparkle, that grin on all of their faces like, okay, he's got us here, you know. He he Mm -hmm. takes like that ivory tower college smart stuff and brings it down to street level. Yeah. Right. And that's like Will is a protector, I feel like. Right. And that's that's the way that Sean is, too. They both had to get tough, essentially. Uh, That line you were talking about, Brandon, where he says, you know, like, you know, what's what do you mean by background? Right. I think that that easily kind of alludes to that. Well, often comedic actors have a hard time making the jump to drama. What separates Robin Williams from these actors? And I think it's just to get things started, his ability to completely immerse himself in a role Mm. almost to a point where you couldn't imagine anyone else playing that character he in many respects is a chameleon you know if you just look at his filmography he's done a little bit of everything and there's never any there's never any question he's always believable yeah like something i was thinking about a little bit was like you know like robin Williams, like one of his first movies was that popeye movie (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, if you've ever watched clips of it, I haven't watched the whole thing, but I watched some clips uh, before this week and 
I'm like, oh, Joey Gladstone from Full House does a Popeye impression, but Robin Williams is Popeye. It's not like him putting on Popeye. I'm like, oh, no, he's he's living in the skin of this ridiculous cartoon character. So it's kind of cool. Not to dour the mood. Now, I do want to be very respectful. I think, you know, unfortunately, we all know how Robin Williams passed away. And I think with the drama, unfortunately, there was some genuine sadness behind some of those characters that he was bringing with him like you can see it in his eyes that there's just like this real sadness there which i think a lot of people chalk up to good acting and i don't want to take anything away from the guy but you know i think unfortunately there there was that that darkness inside of him and just kind of you know that depression that was that was in there which i don't want to say that's why he was a good actor but you know i do think that it's that it's definitely something that played at least a small uh, factor in some of that. Yeah, I I appreciate you mentioning that we don't want to like chalk up his acting ability to depression because that's something that a lot of people can make this mistake of saying, you know, those who are saddest make the best art. Depression is not a superpower. Yeah, it's not a superpower. That's right. Yeah, uh, Kanye. So but I do think from the beginning of his career, there's been like two sides to the coin, right? There's this unfiltered, childlike, kind of playful, innocent Robin Williams. And on the other side, you've got this frenetic, kind of manic, whiplashy Robin Williams, which and he just he bobs back and forth. He oscillates so so fast. One minute he's he's high. One minute he's low. So yeah, uh, unfortunately, yeah, I would agree. There is definitely just a lot of depth to what he experienced emotionally. And I think one of the really cool things about him as an actor was he was so transparent yes. uh, about being himself. Like there's even a line in this movie, right? Where the good comes with the bad, right? The, the bad wakes you up to the good. Just that transparency yeah. that he brought to his roles. I feel like it really did show us that the good comes with the bad. Yeah, I think if you've ever watched a video clip of his stand up, you will really see all of those notes in one setting, like on stage. If you've ever seen it, it is the most just erratic, crazy thing ever. Right. And he is, you know, he's running all over the place like he's telling he's telling funny jokes mixed with body humor, mixed with slapstick, mixed with impressions. Right. It's just everything all at once, 100 miles an hour. And it is incredible to watch. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Like I, when I think of Robin Williams, his early career, like the Morgan Mini stuff and like that stand up, I'm not super familiar with stand up. I'm not going to pretend like I am. But the clips right. that I've seen, he's just like this supernova. Right. That like yeah. just right. sucks up energy and he just, uh, and, and just he just gives it back out to the audience. And I do yeah. know that he was a huge student of improv, like Jonathan Winters was this famous improv comedian that he was a big fan of. So I think that. Williams always just brought this sense of play and like free association to all right. of his humor, right? Like it's just, he gets a word and that word takes him somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else. And he, I feel like he didn't even know where he was going, right? He mm-hmm. just kind of rode the wave. Personally, I don't give a about all that because you know what i can't learn anything from you i can't read in some book unless you want to talk about you who you are and i'm fascinated i'm in but you don't want to do that do you sport you're terrified of what you might say you move chief 
Well, something you'll hear a lot about Robin Williams is that it doesn't seem like he's acting. Mm. And in this scene, his ability to level us with a sincere speech. And I think this is where I see a lot of that John Keating shine through for Mm -hmm. me, at least. Mm -hmm. Sean starts talking and Will is just at a loss for words because you hear him like Mm -hmm. he's jabbing. Do you have some type of duck fetish or a goose fetish? Is this something we need to devote some time to? And Sean just starts talking like real even toned, soft, almost a whisper. And Will just silence. And Will has probably read hundreds of books. This character that is talked about a lot, just how smart he is. But at that moment, these are the most important words he's ever heard. And just like reaching him on another level that he's never experienced. Words are so powerful. Words are so powerful. And something we say to someone that may never cross our mind again, it may just be like a throwaway comment that we make may be immensely profound to someone else. Yeah. In Mm. a negative way or a positive way. And I think when you really like look at the power of words and how Sean even talks about this, there is just something else. There's another level to experiencing these emotions and you can't read it in a book. And I think, I think at that moment, Sean reaches Will just on a, just on another level. Yeah. That just hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm actually like really emotional (laughs) now because it's, it's like you said, words have this amazing power and like movies and scenes like this, they are rare. They're a, they're a treat for us. Right. Yeah. There's this rare thing that can happen when a scene or a writer can speak to, to your, your head and your heart at the same time. Right. 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 You know, like I'm an Enneagram nerd. That's like someone who's a four and a five like that. That's a pretty rare <laughs> combination. And when someone can speak to, you know, with intelligence, uh, you know, he's able to meet Damon's character at his level. Right. Like he's yep. he's referencing Shakespeare and he's speaking to him in his language on his terms. But it's really that wisdom versus intelligence thing again. It's he's really getting to the heart of these really important things about what living is. Right. There are yeah. there are three speeches to me in the movie that get to will. That's the first one. The other one is the it's not your fault scene, which I mean, come on, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And the third one is not from Williams, but it's from Chucky, the uh, the best part yep. of my day speech. Yeah. Yep. And yep. you yep. see that Williams is able to, like you were saying, speak both languages. And that's kind of the language that Will understands for as smart as he is and as much as he loves to read. He's a guy who you just got to put it with him. You just got to like give it to him straight, basically. Like when Chucky says, he's like, you know what? Honestly, like it's offensive to me that you're that you're still here. He's like, you know, you're Mm. capable of so much more. And as your friend, I want you to do better. He's like, I'm okay with who I am, but I want to be a good friend and support you. And then you see that in the it's not your fault scene. Will just needs to hear it straight. And, Mm. you know, I think that that scene in the park is kind of one of the first moments where Sean's really piecing that together like oh I just have to I've just got to tell this kid what he needs to hear yeah there's even that line that throwaway line where he says I don't know how to be a good therapist I just teach it right like because right, he's yeah. breaking the rules essentially right because all the other again all the other intellectuals and academics in the movie they're obsessed with the ideas of things where I feel like Robin Williams character is really more concerned with the application of knowledge that's the important thing something I wanted to hit on too that Brandon you brought up was the understated performance he's giving right there's really it, it is is like a whisper it feels like he's he's almost just 
delivering the lines for himself almost is the mm-hmm. way it feels. And it reminds me of just briefly, there's this story of when I'm a huge music nerd. Ben Folds was on tour with Neil Young and he gives this line of something he learned from Neil Young uh, when they're on tour. And he says, we'd been playing these small clubs and we were trying to make them feel like stadiums. And the thing about watching Neil Young play is he can make a stadium feel like a small club. Uh, And Mm -hmm. by being vulnerable, he was able to rope everyone in thousands and thousands of people. And I think that's what Robin Williams does. He he's able to like rope people in through his vulnerability, through just like opening his heart and being honest. Gosh, I love Neil Young. Yes. And I agree. Yeah. Back to and Zach. I'm so glad you brought up the scene with Chucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That to me is the big one. And I think what hits me the most is Will does spend the whole movie talking to people who are trying to explain to him why he owes this to himself. And Chucky's like, no, 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 no. Screw you. You owe it to me. Yeah. yeah. You owe it to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. That hit me like a ton of bricks when he said that because Will's like, oh, I get it. You know, I owe it to myself. He says, no, no, no. You owe it to me. You owe it to everyone else around mm-hmm. here who can't get out of here. This is their only option. They are going to be living here the rest of their lives. They can't get out. You owe it Mm. to all of us to make something of yourself. And you can tell that was a real turning point and will. Mm. And I think it needed to come from someone that he did trust with that level. And I think that really helps. That ends up affecting his, his meetings with Sean quite a bit. And I just want to say just for a second, Ben Affleck or Chucky in that scene in the interview wearing those boat shoes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. That Uh. is a miracle. I could not get enough of that. No, but no, but seriously, his last meeting with Sean. Yes. You know, and Sean is very reserved, I felt like, in that last meeting. Very like, I think he's probably sad. He has been changed by Will as much as Will has been changed by him. That is that is a big message in this movie. They they learned from each other. But that last moment before Will walks out of the door, he turns and looks at Sean and you see like an like a hopefulness in his eyes, right. and a, like an innocence for the first time. And it really shines through right there. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean is has that fight with uh, Lambo about how he's a good kid. And if you push him, you're going to screw him up. You're going to take him to a place where he can't come back from. Mm-hmm. And I love that innocence that we see from him after that last meeting. Robin Williams was a once in a lifetime talent. All you had to do was put him in front of a camera and magic was bound to happen. But because of his reputation as one of the funniest men on the planet, he remained one of the most underrated dramatic actors of his generation. He's remembered as a groundbreaking stand-up comedian, a childhood hero, a gifted storyteller unafraid of his own shadows, and an open book. He made us laugh. He made us cry. Comic legend or dramatic actor? Neither. No matter the role, he was just Robin. But like every great artist that passes away, his spirit lives on through his work. We are still connected to Robin Williams through the many beautiful performances that he gave us. And in doing so, he reminds us to hold on to our own little sparks of madness. He's trying to yeah. let him be good. 
Yeah. Because the movie's called Good Will Hunting. Oh. Oh, oh we got it. We got oh, it. Oh, I, I, I missed it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm a slow guy. <laughs> oh. That was nice. Thank you for listening to our episode on the incredible Robin Williams. As the summer movie season is winding down, we want to know what you saw. We want to know what movies swung up to the hype and what movies left you feeling abandoned in an elephant graveyard. We would love for you to let us know. You can leave us a comment on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We can be found at the Is It Really Podcast. And don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're up to it, please give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.